The service this morning is found on the panel of your bulletin. The best way to follow along is put your bulletin in the back of your hymnal, then simply go to the page indicated on the panel. Please note on, for the office hymn, Contour Etherton will be singing the first line, and it'll say Contour, and then Congregation sings um, the other lines of that hymn. That's all the announcements I have. Please stand. The bells will call us to worship. open my lips. redeemed his people. redeemed his people.
The first reading is taken from the first and second chapters of Exodus. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramesses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves, and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick, and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. O Lord, have mercy on us. The second reading is taken from Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And we heard, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. O Lord, have mercy on us.
In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. Dear brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, it started out okay, better than okay. It was good. Jacob and his family were living in the land of Goshen, the best part of the land of Egypt, but not because of anything they had done. In fact, it is in spite of what they had done. It was the hand of God at work. What about their hands? Well, Jacob, he was no paragon of virtue. He was a liar and deceiver. And his sons, well, they followed in his steps. They wanted to kill their brother, but settled for the next best thing, selling him into slavery in another land. Either way, they'd be rid of him. Either way, they were better off without him. Or so they thought. But God preserved Joseph so that he could preserve Jacob and his family. Not that they deserved preserving, but God had promised. And a promise is a promise. He promised that one of Jacob's descendants would be the Messiah. I'm going to pause for a moment. Do you remember what the title Messiah, which is also the same word as Christ, do you remember what it means? Got to be really, oh, really loud. What is it? Maybe I didn't hear you. What did? Like a king, you're close. Someone else? What does it literally mean? Yeah, this would be a ruler. You're really, really warm. But literally, what does the word mean? Come on, eighth graders, help me out. All right, Michael. Anointed one. The Messiah is the anointed one, the, God, the one God would anoint to, to save people from their sins, to open the kingdom of heaven to us. And ultimately, that Messiah, the Christ, he would come through the line of Jacob. He would be a descendant of Jacob. And it's Jesus who is anointed at his baptism. Remember what God the Father said? This is my beloved Son. With him I'm well pleased. Because he had come into the world to open heaven to us. To have mercy on all of us. Every single human being who has ever lived on this earth. So, going back. So God preserved Jacob and his family. And he, he did it in a way that there would be no question about whose doing this was. This is God's doing. Things were good. 
for the Israelites. But as time rolled on, Jacob died, Joseph died, all the brothers died, the Pharaoh, who was so appreciative to Joseph, well, he died too. And after a generation or two or three, when the famine was but a faint memory, remember, Joseph was the one who interpreted the dreams so that they made sure that they had enough food for the famine. Remember that? But when that was not remembered anymore, things got very, very bad for God's people. The Egyptians forced the Israelites into slavery, and they treated them shamefully. They really hurt them. As a result, the people of Israel, the children who had descended from Jacob, they cried out to the Lord, saying, Lord, have mercy. Let's say it together. Lord, have mercy. It's been the cry of God's people in this fallen world ever since the fall. Let's say it again. Lord, have mercy. We read that God heard, God remembered, God saw, and he heard their cry. He remembered his promise. He saw this people from whom his own son would be born into the world and their affliction. And it says, he knew. He knew. He knew them as Adam knew his wife, Eve. He loved them. He knew them, for they were his bride. That's what the scriptures say. And he knew what he would do. He would rescue them. He would have mercy on them. He would show them his powerful right hand, for his hand was still at work not just to save them, but to save the world. And he did just that. He saved them by miraculously leading them out of Egypt. Remember, and as he had, really it was the, the hand of the Lord through the hand of Moses when he lifted it up and it created a way through the, the Red Sea. So the Israelites went through on dry ground and Pharaoh and his armies were destroyed. He had mercy on them. And he did it in a miraculous way. And throughout the wilderness wanderings, he continued to have mercy on them, even though they didn't deserve it in any way, shape, or form. And remember how then they, he opened the waters of the Jordan River and they passed through into the promised land. He saved them. He had mercy on them. He brought them into the promised land. This is what God does for all of us, ultimately. So now let's go forward a bit. So it was that God's right-hand man, and who's God's right-hand man? Who's God's right-hand man? Jesus, right. He found himself 
near Jericho. That day, generations later, in the midst of another people in slavery, but a worse kind of slavery than Egypt because most didn't even know it was slavery. They were slaves to sin, just like you and me. Some knew it. Some whose lives had started out okay, maybe even good, but then the oppression of sin burdened them in obvious ways, like blindness, like Bartimaeus. Now, to be sure, when thing, bad things happen to us physically, we get sick or become blind or can't walk or get cancer, none of that is what, because of what we specifically do, but it's because, in general, of our fallen nature, because of our, our sin. And the wages of sin ultimately is, is death. So if there were no sin, there would be no disease, no death, no blindness. But Bartimaeus, he was blind. And so he echoed the cry of the people, God's people, of Israel and Egypt. He said, Jesus, son of David. Oh, come on. You've got to be with me. What's the word here? Have mercy on me. Ready? Mercy. Jesus, son of David. And Jesus knew. He knew who he was and what he had come to do. And he sets Bartimaeus free with just a word. Go your way, he said. Your faith has made you well. That's what Jesus said. And then he continued on his way, on his way to the cross. The place where he who knew no sin became sin for us. Our poverty became his poverty. Our fear became his fear. Our suffering became his suffering. Our guilt became his guilt. Our punishment became his punishment. Our death became his death. But flip it around. What did that mean? It meant this. His riches became our riches. His peace became our peace. His joy became our joy. His forgiveness became our forgiveness. His innocence became our innocence. His life became our life. Our life that passes through suffering and death and into the glory of God. So today we come to this place known as the church because Jesus Son of David, the promised Messiah, the Father's right-hand man, well, <laughs> he's here. And we cry out, Kyrie eleison, or Lord, Lord, have mercy. And Jesus hears, he remembers, he sees, and he knows. He hears our cries and our prayers. He remembers the promises he made to us in baptism. Remember that? I will be with you always. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I am with you to save you. He remembers that promise. 
He remembers, and he has mercy. So what do we do? We take our place with Jacob's family, with Bartimaeus, and a multitude of other of God's people through the centuries. We take our place with them and cry out, Lord. And no matter how often we cry out, our Lord never tires of hearing it. For he is the God of mercy. For it is our cry of faith. Faith in the one who is mercy, who we know will keep and fulfill every promise to us through all the twists of turns of life and No matter where life takes you, that fact remains the same. So the first ordinary of our liturgy, and that's what we're talking about throughout this Lenten season, the ordinaries, the ordinary that is ordinarily in every service, is the Kyrie, Lord And it's part of our ordinary Lenten exodus. For with it, we take our place in the great exodus of God's people, from Adam and Eve all the way to today, following our Savior and the glorious freedom he has won for us all in his suffering, death, and resurrection. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard our hearts and our lives in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.
Let us pray. O Lord God, you led your ancient people through the wilderness and brought them to the promised land. Guide the people of your church that following our Savior, we may walk through the wilderness of this world toward the glory of the world to come. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with your mighty power and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings being ordered by your governance may be righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless and preserve you.